Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Happy holidays, as this is our holiday spectacular. Uh, what does that mean? Um, well, we're sharing my interview with Seth Rogen from this past Vulture Festival, in which we talk about, you know, the holidays, and his new HBO Max show, Santa Inc., in which he plays dang Santa Claus, the most famous holidays guy. And then we just have a conversation about his career and stuff, and, and that part's just good and not really holiday specific but i still think you'd like it i should note the event was supposed to be seth along with sarah silverman but she was under the weather and incapable of joining i should also note there was a heckler uh seriously throughout the entire panel someone was heckling and that someone was david crumholtz a character actor and longtime friend of seth rogan's he was going around the festival telling everyone with a staff shirt i'm gonna heckle watch out you can't stop me and we couldn't and I also, also should note, though you will not hear them, Willow and Jaden Smith were also there. Um, I did not know this ahead of time because they snuck in. Uh, apparently, King Richard was premiering across the street. They had time to kill, and they love Seth Rogen. And no one kicked him out because they're Willow and Jaden Smith. And so they just watched the whole thing. Um, also, Seth didn't know them. He didn't know they were there. Um, I know that because after the event, they ran over to Seth to introduce themselves, and they took a very cool photo you can see on Seth's Instagram. Um, I did not find out about any of this until, like, an hour later. We're like, oh, did you see the picture? I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, my God, this is very cool. And I bet they thought the moderator was also cool, but they didn't know how to uh, find me for a photograph. Either way, if you're listening, Willow and Jaden... <laughs> I'll see you next time I'm in LA. But until then, here is Seth Rogen. Hello, hello, chat. Is yours you work? go. You go. <laughs> uh, hello, I am Vulture Senior Editor Jesse Dave Fox, and welcome to Seth Rogen, a Holiday Spectacular. I'm so sorry. It's just me. I couldn't be more sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad this. I I was prepared for there to be no one here, and it was like I was gonna get like a real time reality check as to how many people actually gave a shit to only see me, and I. This is thrilling. Thank you. If nothing else. My, my ego is intact tonight. <laughs> my wife would have never fucking heard the end of it. <laughs> so she thanks you. Uh, so we're going to talk about... Dave. <laughs> That's my best friend Dave who told me he was going to heckle. <laughs> so we'll be talking about uh, your new animated show, Santa Inc., The Holidays. 
comedy, your career. But first, uh, since Sarah's not here, I thought it'd be fun to talk about her in a way that would have been awkward if she was here. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about her as though she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, when the only right thing to do in this yeah, situation, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you remember when you first became a fan of hers? Yeah, of course. And she it, it, she does hate it when, when to talk about this in front of her. But I remember when she was on Seinfeld um, as one of the, the as one of Jerry's girlfriends. And then I was a big Larry Sanders show fan. Um, a huge. We have one other out of uh, two hundred people. Um, I recommend you all watch it. it it's uh, it, it's really it's on HBO Max. I think all of them. Um, and she played a writer on the Larry Sanders show um, and is hilarious. And then I started becoming a fan of her stand-up. And I moved to L.A. when I was 16. And um, I was on this show, Freaks and Geeks. And John, uh, it was great. Um, and at the time, uh, there was this guy, Jonathan Kasdan, who was a writer on the show. And he was uh, like a year old. He was like 17 or 18. And he was roommates with Jason Schwartzman. And I went to a party at their house one night. And I was 16 or 17 years old, maybe, and fucking Sarah Silverman was there at smoking weed. And, um, and I smoked weed with her. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm smoking weed with fucking Sarah Silverman right now. This is crazy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I got to know her over the years. Yeah. And I got to work with her in uh, Take This Waltz, which uh, is a great film if you've never seen I assume no one. If only one of you has seen The Larry Sanders Show, <laughs> none of you has seen Take This Waltz. I can guarantee that. Uh, her version of that story is she has no memory whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I 100% believe that, yeah. But um, I remember it well. Do you have a favorite Sarah joke that you can think of? Oh, man. <laughs> I remember there was one which she, that was just a simple one she used to tell me. She's like, when I first moved to L.A., I had an eyebrow. <laughs> which was just always a funny joke, I thought. <laughs> um, so, so you met then, and then do you remember when you became friends? Like... Friend, friends. I, I does she have like a corroborating? Or no, like this one I don't know. <laughs> this we're getting on the record for the first time. Um, I can't remember the exact. Probably when we made that film. Uh, yeah. That was like ten years ago. That was probably when we became closer. We spent a lot of time together there. We would sneak off um, and smoke weed in the alleyway <laughs> um, near the set we were filming um, in. And uh, yeah, I think that's when we first hung out like a lot. Yeah. And now you are in a uh, HBO Max and an animated show together called Santa Inc. We are. And we are going to play a clip of it right now up there. It's a clip from Santa Inc. What brings you here, Candy? First, may I say your home is lovely. It's it's majestic, yet it's not ostentatious, which I think is a subtle balance to achieve, sir. And Jesus I... fucking Christ, Candy. Enough with the sir. Loosen up. This isn't the principal's office. I've known you since you were a kid. Yeah, but it's not like we ever really talked. What are you talking about? We shoot the shit all the time. No, no, we've never shot even one tiny shit, sir. I, mean, I met your husband. He's a huge sports nut, right? Why am I even asking? I remember the guy. Blue skin, horse body, pink wings. He was hilarious. Not married, actually. Don't even have a crush on anyone, but uh, don't be embarrassed. It's fine. I, you're a very busy man. You probably don't even know my last name. Ah, come on. Who gives a fuck? It's not like you know my real name. It's Llewellyn Fartini. Damn it. You do. Now that you mention it, Brent kind of was like the buffer between us. But, you know, now that I look back, Brent always acted like he was meant for bigger things than Santa Inc. One Halloween, he came as super Jesus. Like regular Jesus wasn't enough. No. Brent needed a cape and a pair of tights to show off his biceps and his huge fucking dick. 
No one with a dick that big is happy in middle management. That segues into what I'm here for, actually. It does? Do you mind if I uh, kind of give you the big picture? Please tell me. When I was a kid, I had big dreams. You know, I, I didn't know that as a girl, they didn't always come true. I figured if I worked hard enough, no one could deny me anything. So I did. I, I worked my ass off and I, I proved myself. All right, not really a segue, more of a pivot, but I hear you. I want my dreams to come true. I want to be the next successor and the first female Santa Claus in history. The first elf bitch Santa. Me, Candy Smalls. Yes, progress. Candy wants it real, real bad. I'm the most progressive Santa in history. I'm a real change agent. I'm an ally which I can't label myself as, but I've been labeled that by others. And Brent, the first black successor, was a huge part of my legacy. But maybe it's time to make history again. I need to think about it, but this could be really fucking awesome. Okay, very cool. Oh man, let's see what those bozos are up to now. <laughs> So how did, how did this come to you? How did this project come to you? What did you think when you heard of it? Um, it came to us through a very good friend of mine named Allie Rushfield, who's here somewhere, who I met um, right there. She is. Hey. Um, I met her when I was 18 years old. We were both writers on uh, the TV show Undeclared, um, which we made yeah, in 2000, 2001. Um, it premiered one week after 9-11, maybe why you haven't heard of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we stayed very good friends and um, Allie went on to create uh, the show Shrill and uh, she's done a lot of other amazing things over the years and she pitched us uh, this show a few years ago and I thought it was hilarious and uh, so did Sarah and we went around to, and pitched it to the places in Hollywood and HBO Max uh, bought it and that's what happened. And then people spent an insanely large amount of time doing stop motion animation uh, and animating like filthy jokes yeah. uh, in a warehouse in the valley, like literally one frame at a time. And they went quite mad. <laughs> Was it always stop motion? Was that always the idea? Yes, that was, uh, yes, yes, Ali, uh, sorry, yeah, let's say, yeah. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was always animated, but I think actually after we sold it, the idea that it was stop motion and looks like those old kind of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas specials yeah. became very hilarious to us, yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit about the the world and what is the this take on the Santa? yeah. I mean, it's a show about Christmas made almost exclusively by Jewish people. Um, it's <laughs> and so it is. Um, it's about how uh, the North Pole is a, a corporate entity, and Santa is the CEO of it, and it's an Amazon esque corporation. And um, every year, we're really gearing up towards uh, Christmas, and um, and there's only been uh, white men who have been Santa Claus and Candy. Smalls um, wants to uh, be the first non-white uh, male Santa Claus, and um, I want to be viewed as progressive and as Santa, and so I uh, consider uh, taking her under my wing and uh, championing her as that, mostly so I look good. 
did you have any inspiration for this sort of version of self-congratulatory allyship? Allie did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. I mean, I can I mean, I know her well, and I mean, it's something that you encounter a lot. I'm sure I've been guilty of it many <laughs> times throughout my life. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. I mean, we've talked a lot about bosses she's had over the years who um, uh, have hired her, and then uh, you know, clearly the motivation behind it is meant to reflect on them more than anything um and uh yeah that's a thing that happens a lot in hollywood um is people hire people because they think it'll make them look good and then they don't listen to those people ever um which uh we reflect well on this show a helicopter's landing to get me now so thank you all <laughs> um i want to ask you about doing voiceover and you're in doing having your voice be santa and i i'm going to back up and tell a little story which was one time i was asked to audition for a voiceover kit kat commercial because um, they were looking for a jewish sounding voice <laughs> however when i sent it in they made it clear that I, they wanted sort of your voice oh <laughs> i'm a jewish sounding voice yeah they oh, na- you now what modern what yeah, when they mean Jew- i am more of a jew did, did you <laughs> david stop <laughs> <laughs> he literally was texting me like I'm gonna scream stuff and I was like I don't think you will and that he is <laughs> um, yeah uh, he is the, uh, I mean you have a much more Jewish voice than I do David also with all due respect <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I was wondering, uh, inside the actor studio style, if I could talk to Santa for a moment. Oh, God, no, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I remember being happy when James Lipton died, so I would never have to do that. <laughs> that was just to make Dave laugh. <laughs> Um, but can you talk a little bit more? Yes, then, of course. So then who is your Santa? Santa, yeah, he's a boss who wants to be mostly, yeah, he's a boss who thinks of himself as uh, progressive and who knows that he will have a legacy and that he wants his legacy to reflect what he thinks is what is something that will be viewed as positive <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the world. Uh, yeah, it's like the exact opposite of what Mark Zuckerberg seems to have done. <laughs> <laughs> is it a different voice? Like when you're doing Santa, are you like, you, I need No. <laughs> You don't, feel like you don't put on a fat suit. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I literally recorded this in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> it was the heat of the pandemic when we did this yeah. show. Um, but yeah, I don't do uh, voices. No. <laughs> so you are, are, are famously Jewish. Um, I am. <laughs> so I want to talk about Christmas and such. But uh, first, what was your relationship to Santa growing up specifically? What did you think of him? Uh, I thought it was pretty silly. I thought it was <laughs> funny. And, and I think as a Jewish kid, it's funny when you know whatever, that a thing isn't real and everyone thinks it is real. And you feel like, and what's funny is I would be like with my sister, like these stupid fucks. Like <laughs> they think Santa Claus is real. How dumb are these motherfuckers? Little do they know, only the tooth fairy is real. And everything else is fucking bullshit. Uh, literally, that was like a conversation we would have. Is like, these dumb idiots. And I probably ruined Christmas for a lot of kids. Like, I thought it was funny to so, tell kids that there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> I was ask, do you remember the reaction you got any of those times? 
I told John Daly on Freaks and Geeks there was no Santa Claus. And with all due respect, he should have known. How old was he? He was like 12 or 13 or some shit like that. But I did, I did tell him there was no Santa Claus uh, at an age where I was appalled he had, did not know that there How was no Santa Claus. How does that conversation even come up? I think he referred to Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that it wasn't fictional, yeah. uh, in a way that it was real. And I think I was like, there's no Santa Claus. And I think I saw in his face, he was like, yeah, of course there's no Santa Claus. And I, could, and I was like, oh no, I just destroyed his life. Um, yeah, real bummer. He grew up to be a great guy, very successful uh, writer, director. I was important at that point that you had to be like, you can welcome to the real world. This is Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think it's like I don't know. Did you? Are there parents here who've told their kids that Santa Claus is a thing, knowing one day they will tell them it's not a thing? <laughs> yeah, good. Maybe is he going away? Do people still believe it? Do kids? Does the average kid still believe I've in been, Santa I Claus? I literally. I, yeah. Do they? But I've been told there's. People are now saying you shouldn't tell them Santa Claus is real because of... It's a weird thing to teach a kid a thing just to lie to them. Like, like specifically to tell them one day it's not real. Yeah. Like, that is a weird practice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, from what, from what I understand, it's fun to watch them slowly figure it out. <laughs> Great. That's. <laughs> I don't have children. I should make that very clear as well. Um, but if you bring your kid near me, I will tell them there's no Santa Claus. You'll. That'll be your new role. Now that's it's like. New thing. <laughs> and if it's time, bring your kid near me, and I'll do it. So you don't have to. This is like a very specific type yeah, of thing. It's branch. a very specific thing. <laughs> it's a service I will provide. Yeah, yeah. As a Jewish man. What What was your relationship to Christmas? Did you guys do anything? No, I had no relationship to Christmas. I'm from uh, a city, you know, Vancouver. I'm from a big city, so there was Christmas stuff around. The malls had Christmas stuff in it. I never had a Christmas tree. Um, I had very few friends who were who were Christians. <laughs> and so I never even was at a house with a Christmas tree very often. I remember one time I was, when I, once I got into high school, because I went to Jewish elementary school, and then I got into high school, I made some non-Jewish friends. And I remember the first time I saw a Christmas tree, I was like, they really do this shit. <laughs> like, uh, it was wild. I was yeah. like, oh, they, they do it. They do the lights like from the movies. Yeah, I think, I think Home Alone is, everything I know about Christmas is from Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts, Dave? <laughs> He's not Jewish, so that's a fucked up thing. To, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Did you have a favorite Christmas movie other than Home Alone? Home Alone is the best Christmas. I mean, die, if, is Die Hard? I don't know. There's that debate of Die Hard, but Home Alone is a great Christmas. Home Alone's one of the movies that made me want to make movies. I yeah. think because it's uh, yeah, like I, I was I was Macaulay Culkin's age when it came out, and it was uh, a movie that he was. It was like an action movie with a kid as the star, and it, it for sure was like heavily inspirational yeah. uh, on me, which is a weird thing to say, but it's very true. <laughs> Have you revisited and you still feel like this is, this is still what I want to do? Yes, 100%. Um, I love Home Alone. Physical comedy is great. It's a hilarious movie. The scream Daniel Stern does when the spider is on his mouth is one of the funniest moments uh, ever in a movie. Um, Daniel Stern, Jewish. All, all interview. We're just gonna name Jewish people. If they we come could up. just name Jews. They're yeah. making lists, you know. So. Check it twice. 
You're becoming a hype man. Slowly. It's like the opposite of heckling. You're becoming the flavor like, flavor of this, yeah. He's like the Andy Richter of the panel. Um, do you have a favorite Christmas song? Um, that the Run DMC one is uh, Christmas and Hollis is probably one of the better Christmas songs. I think. I don't know. No, I I have almost no relationship to Christmas, honestly, except a cinematic one. Yeah. Like my entire relationship to Christmas uh, is through movies um, yeah. about Christmas. Um, we're near Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, and my wife is from a small town in Florida, and she hates Christmas because she's a Jewish woman from Central Florida, and um, so she really had you know a, a non-Jewish ideology uh, shoved down her throat a lot, and so yeah, I grew up uh, in a world where Christmas is uh, yeah, I, I, and and people uh, yeah, people love Christmas, and I'm amazed by it still, <laughs> they really do. Exactly. <laughs> so you never did like we're gonna see a movie on Christmas. Like you just I do what Jewish people did on Christmas was I would eat Chinese food and go see a movie. This is, is what the people wanted yeah, exactly. to know. Um. <laughs> so so now now we're gonna talk about more. We're gonna keep on talking about other holidays. We've moved on. From okay, Christmas. good. Make sure they know what we're gonna talk about Great, all the yeah. time. <laughs> we're gonna do a transition to another we, holiday. We will frame it. Thanksgiving. Um, oh, good. Or uh, as uh, we call your Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. What's your, your family's relationship to holidays generally? Did you celebrate Canadian or just Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> uh, my family did not celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. They, again, they told me Jews didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, <laughs> um, which I... T- <laughs> Which I only found out later was not true. Oh, pretty recently, actually, I found out. But they said in Canada, uh, Jews don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And I didn't question it. But in Canada, Thanksgiving's a much more, like, optional holiday, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Did you then... So then how did you find out? You were in here, then someone's like... What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Yeah, early, eventually I asked a, a fellow Jewish Canadian, did you celebrate Thanksgiving? And they were like, yes. And your parents lied to you. <laughs> and I asked my parents eventually, why did you lie to me? And they were just like, we just didn't want to do a whole other holiday. <laughs> in, uh, in Funny People, a movie you co-starred in, one of, you know, one of my favorite scenes is the, the roommates do a Thanksgiving and Adam Sandler gives a big speech about this is going to be your, your number one Thanksgiving for the rest of your life. You'll always re- remember this. Did you have... A Thanksgiving or a holiday like that that you celebrated with friends when you first lived in L.A.? Um, yeah, well, me and my wife actually were like the first people to get uh, a house out of our group of friends. And so every year we would have uh, all of our friends over for Thanksgiving. And yeah, at, and we would cook uh, at times. Yeah, we had up to 50 people. Um, 50? Up, up, yeah, we had a lot of people. We would uh, bring in tables. It was a lovely thing. Um, and then, uh, Dave went a few times. Was it awkward? It depends on where you got sat. I put you near my in-laws sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) It was a long table. So you were really stuck to who you were sitting uh, near. That was a, that was a problem with it. But no, Thanksgiving's the best holiday because all you do is eat. Yeah. And I'm, uh, Jewish holidays are all about, like, death and pain. <laughs> and so it, it's, like, a nice to have a holiday where you're not dwelling on that. Even though Thanksgiving is about that, they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's, it's nice. They, they bury it underneath uh, the food. <laughs> <laughs> and you would do the cooking? Are you guys together do the cooking? Uh, yeah, me and my wife, Lauren, would, uh, yeah, we would cook. And he just think turkey? Well, I don't like too? turkey. <laughs> I'm a real Your fucking Your favorite bummer. holiday. You're just exactly. Grinch everyone. Turkey is gross. Objectively. 
there's a reason you don't go to any restaurant and turkey is on the menu. <laughs> You're not like going to like fine dining and they're like, try the turkey. It, there's never turkey because it's gross. There's squab, there's hens, there's chickens. You got fucking people are eating goats. Never turkey. Turkey is the last fucking thing you want to be eating. They had to make a whole holiday to sell turkey. <laughs> it's fucking gross. Um, it's dry. It's a bad... So I make ribs on Thanksgiving because they're delicious. And turkey is uh, objectively a bad-tasting food, which is why you eat it once a year. <laughs> what kind of ribs? Uh, smoked ribs. I have a smoker. <laughs> Baby back ribs. They're delicious. <laughs> he was yelling this at the Queen Sugar event is what's <laughs> weird <laughs> we'll be right back with more me and Seth Rogen most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine which is why most diets fail but Noom isn't a diet it's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And back to Seth Rogen. Take it away, me. Do you have any suggestions for how you would? This, this is a transition to the to keep you guys posted. This is a transition to the weed conversation. Great. Uh, <laughs> how would you pair? Do you have? How would you suggest one if someone was going to smoke through Thanksgiving a Thanksgiving meal? Do you have suggestions of how how one would do that? Um, it depends on how much weed you smoke. We would. Uh, yeah, my thing. I remember that was like a big moment where I told my friends like you can smoke weed at Thanksgiving, and then like. Yeah, and then I've had a lot of instances where, like, and you got to be careful, like, again, like, my father-in-law smoked weed uh, recently, and I almost killed him. <laughs> so, like, you got to be careful who... Wait, can you... How did that happen? Um, it's uh, He had a hit of weed, and we went to um, uh, Morton's uh, uh, Steakhouse, steakhouse uh, and he passed out in the middle of the fucking restaurant. Um, and it was a real bummer, huge <laughs> bummer, uh, after having one hit. And then I, I caught him, and I plopped him at a table... Um, of people uh, <laughs> at, the, at the head of like a 12-person table. And the person who had been there was at the bathroom. And I plopped him there unconscious. And he really was like this. Like he was propped up. And at that moment, the food arrived. And, and the waiters put a, a dish in front of him. And everyone at the table was like, okay, this Seth Rogen, because they recognize me, just plopped a corpse at our table. <laughs> And and they're serving it like cream spinach, <laughs> um, and uh, it was and, and it was it was a and everyone was looking, and uh, eventually my father-in-law came too. Um, I brought him back to sit down. 
um because he didn't want to make he didn't want to leave he felt bad and then at the table he started taking his pants off literally started and i was like we're get it we gotta go we gotta go uh and i carried him out um and uh i've not gone back to morton since but um yeah and so if you're smoking weed at thanksgiving and your father-in-law's there an older member of the family i was also a similar i was at a wedding a friend's wedding and i didn't do it but the bride's father smoked weed and passed out on the dad's floor and everyone assumed it was me. So I had like 200 motherfuckers being like, Seth, what'd you do? You almost killed this man. And I was like, for the first time in my life, I did not smoke weed with this person. Um, but I did give weed to the person who did smoke it with him. And so be careful. Weed is strong these days. So Thanksgiving, you yes. gotta gotta get a sense of who everyone. Get a sense tolerant. of their talk. Tell them one hit, one hit, and then tell them to come back in ten or fifteen minutes. See how they do. Um, give them a helmet or something if they seem uh, if they're older. Yeah. I was, you you seem to joints seem to be your way of consuming. Do you, is don't you feel like it'd be more efficient if you just had people have tinctures or something like that? Uh, if it got me high the same way, I would do that. We're getting very specific. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, sure. Um, no, uh, doing tinctures does not make you feel, or me, does not make me feel the same way that smoking joints does. And so uh, I smoke joints. Um, are you high now? Or did you smoke before this? I smoke weed all the fucking time. So the the question to, like, there is no time the answer to are you high is no, unless I'm in, like, Singapore, a country where they'll execute you for smoking weed. And I don't go to those places anymore, literally. Um, yeah, I, uh, I smoke weed all, all day, every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, stoner comedy, weed comedy, like traditionally is, is seen as the lowest of brow type comedy. Tell me about it. I know. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Do you feel like you, you, you have a desire to elevate it? Do you like it as what it is? I'm except comedy in general is the least respected art form, period. Mm -hmm. Literally. I agree. So I, I'm accepting of that. Mm. As someone who's dedicated their life to it, I see that the, comedies never win awards. They don't even get nominated for them. Every top 10 list of the movie, like one like fancy fucking comedy maybe gets nominated, but that movie's <laughs> not funny. Like, like Bad Trip was the by far the funniest movie of last year. And one of the, that, that's like a marvel. Like how did they, like it's so hard to do that. Borat 2 was also amazing, but like they don't, you know, it's like someone will like throw them a bone and be like, oh, and I, I like this comedy, but like they are not taken seriously as yeah. films. And this, and I've made non comedic films and, and participated in ones that are taken very seriously. And so I've had a real apples to mm -hmm. oranges experience where I'm like, oh, this is what it's like when they take <laughs> your movie seriously. You get to go to festivals, you get to go to Telluride, Colorado, and do a QA in a park. Like, wow. Like, I didn't know that fucking happened until I've been making movies for like a decade because because they weren't yeah, treated yeah. in a way that non-comedic films are and so the truth is like yeah i make well, the least respected genre in the least respected <laughs> art form on the planet earth um but uh i get paid very well so i'm okay with that <laughs> uh, no it's fine i it's honestly fine like i i but it is true it is yeah. objectively true like there is People like there are TikTok stars who are more respected <laughs> than comedians. Uh, honestly, yeah. Um, I was watching the videos you and Sarah made to legalize marijuana federally. Uh, can you talk about how weed went from something you did for fun, something to something you did that made you feel better, to something that you know you believe in? It's sort of 
There's, um, to what it is now, which is a, a platform for you to voice your opinion about this way to, you know. Uh, for sure. Um, I mean, it's been an evolution. Um, I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, which is one of the most like weed liberal cities in the world, probably. Yeah. Um, and I grew up, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a person who is very not likely to get arrested for weed because I'm a white guy in a place that pe that weed is very, um, you know, uh, accepted. And then I moved to America and um, I didn't have really any of the stigmas that I that a lot of Americans had about weed. And I didn't understand America's history with weed until I had been here for um, years because I just honestly didn't really even consider it that closely. But um, eventually, as you dig like one millimeter bef beneath the surface of e essentially everything in America, racism was 100% yeah. the reason that weed uh, is illegal. And as someone who loved weed and benefited greatly from it, um, it that obviously is fucked up. So um, doing things that, uh, you know, help make it federally legal and supporting causes that you know, um, allow people to get their records expunged or erased um, is is easy to do. But um, it really comes from a place where, like, I, I, I need weed to function. I mean, I've taught it's no to me. It's to me. It's like wearing glasses, like literally, like, could I walk around all day without glasses? Yes, I could. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to. It's much better that I have them. Um, and that's exactly how weed is. And the fact that it's illegal is fucking bullshit. And it's stupid. And alcohol's a fucking million times worse. Alcohol's the, like, it, like alcohol is so fucking, like, on the grand scale of drugs in general, alcohol is such a bad drug. Like, I you could do I can eat like a handful of shrooms and feel fine the next day. I had one drink called like a Plamona last <laughs> night and I felt terrible till fucking noon. Like I don't know what was in that fucking thing. Sugar and syrups and bitters this morning. I was just like, what happened to me last night? Like I've done so much acid, like my head explodes and the next morning you're like fine. Like that just shows what a bad drug alcohol is, you know? And so uh, it just also bothers me that alcohol is, like, so accepted and weed is so not accepted when, like, alcohol is literally killing, like, thousands and thousands of motherfuckers every year and weed is not killing anybody and they just don't... It was just made illegal for racist reasons and it's yeah. still illegal. Yeah. We get it! Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Dave has that thing when he smokes weed, his body goes funny. So you can, <laughs> he had to get in a hot bath once. Yeah. Can you tell that story? No. <laughs> David, can you tell that story? Yes, I have cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. It's very rare. He does, but we used to smoke weed all day every day. So it's a real bummer. Yep. <laughs> so Hanukkah. Um, how how do you spell Hanukkah? Chet, <laughs> Aleph, Nun. But uh, I don't know with an H. Yeah, cool. that's it. <laughs> I don't. How often are you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You Google Hanukkah. There's different yeah. ways of spelling it. I don't know. I don't know if in, in Canada it's more of a, a C. Anyway. Um, I imagine literally everyone here is Jewish, but um, <laughs> but in case you're all Jewish now. Yes. 
Sorry. But that water you've been drinking, that's Jew water. <laughs> I spit in every bottle, you're Jewish now. That's how it works. You drink the saliva of a Jew, you're Jewish. That person's doing it right now. Um, can you tell, but quickly for those who aren't, can you explain the, the what story? Jew is? No, what the story of, the, what the story of Hanukkah is? I don't know. What, the, you don't the, know the basic. The Maccabees? There's the Maccabees? There's, uh, does someone know the story of Hanukkah? Help me. There's oil. Eight nights. It's pretty. It's, it's not. Okay. As far, I imagine like most Jewish holidays, it starts with everyone's trying to kill the Jews. <laughs> so once again, right, we start there. Yes. Uh, but the Jews were, I believe, under siege in some ancient, one of their ancient walled cities <laughs> that they were constantly getting uh, annihilated from. Um, this is not the tale we're taught about as children where they all chose to commit suicide. That's another one. That's Masada, a great Jewish fairy tale. Um, they all chose suicide over capture. <laughs> Happy 10-year-old fucking Jew learning that story. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this one is where we were under siege and we used oil to light our lamps. Mm-hmm. And there was only enough oil for one day, but the oil lasted eight days. And then did they all get killed? <laughs> Probably. Anyone know? Anyone no, knows? I think then the no Maccabees won in s- for some There's somehow. a Maccabee. They were cleaning. Where's Sarah? <laughs> Let's call her up Tell and ask me. if she knows. I don't think she would know. <laughs> I think she would know less. That is the story of Hanukkah. Did you, get, did you celebrate it as, like, as a, did you, did you celebrate it as a holiday? Did you celebrate it like, oh, we, this is our Christmas? No, my parents were not. My parents were socialists, so they were not big gift givers in general. Uh, that's the downside to having socialist parents. You don't get a lot of gifts. Um, and so, uh, yeah, my parents, they, like, Jews don't know when Hanukkah, can, what, can anyone tell me when Hanukkah actually starts this year? The 26th, 28th? It starts early. Mar- <laughs> that's... Exactly. That's what's funny about Jews' relationship to Hanukkah is we don't even know when it is. They change when it is every year. They keep it moving for us. That's how fucked up. That's how much they don't respect our holidays. <laughs> don't even keep them on the same date. You yeah, can figure it out, Jew. <laughs> Did you have traditions? Uh, we had a Hanukkah, a Hanukkah. Um, and uh, that's it. And my parents would give us, uh, they would not give us eight presents. I think on the fifth day, we'd kind of peter out like a lot of Jewish uh, families. Um, no, we did not. Uh, my mom would make potato latkes. That was the one tradition. And our house would smell like oil for a week. And it was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Potato latkes. The one, that's like a good Jewish food that like, that crossed over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crispy. Nice crispy latkes. Yeah. Whip, uh, sour cream, and applesauce. That's how I eat my latkes. This conversation's getting real Jewy. Yeah. <laughs> Statistically, not enough of us for this to be interesting. <laughs> I like mine plain. That is not surprising. <laughs> you eat cereal with no milk. That is true. One of those dry cereal guys. That's a Jewish thing. Jews are picky eaters. That's a Jewish mother thing. Mm. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> they let their kids be picky eaters. That's it. 
Um, what do you do now? What do I do now for a what? What do you know, your brother? I just I was told there's gonna be a Jew on stage. What do you do? No, what do you do f- as a holiday? For Hanukkah? A Hanukkah. Uh, yeah. Nothing really. I don't know. Yeah, nothing. We have a giant. My my father-in-law made us like a giant fucking Hanukkah that I keep in my garage, and every. Um, Hanukkah, my, my wife, Lauren, is like, you got to get out the Hanukkah because my dad's going to come over. He's going to be mad if the Hanukkah is not out. And so I get it and I put it out and then he comes and he sees it. And he's like, you got my Hanukkah. And I'm like, you bet I do. And then I put it back in the garage for a year. So that is how I do Hanukkah now is 100% for the benefit of my father-in-law. Do you do gifts? No gifts. Uh, sometimes kind of, you know, you know, it's like Hanukkah's. I think some Jewish people start to feel silly emulating the traditions of mm-hmm. Christmas on Hanukkah, especially as they get older, and they realize this was all an attempt by Jews to get a little bit of that Christmas action. Because <laughs> it is an inorganic holiday to be giving gifts around. Nothing about that story I just told <laughs> is like, and then you get a gift. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask if you make people gifts as a way of transitioning to talking about pottery, but now I feel like you probably don't. I do, actually. Oh. I do make people pottery as presents, yes. Look under your chairs. No, I'm joking. Don't. That would, I, can't, yeah. I couldn't even. That would literally take me four years. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bring it up because when I, I mentioned I was talking to you, everyone's like, the pottery, you got to talk about this pottery. Can you, p- can you post a picture of recent? I'm a potter. <laughs> Thank you. Um, why do you think people are so fascinated by, by your potting? You know, I've thought about that a lot, and I do not have a great answer. I, 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 I don't know. I think because maybe one of you can fucking tell me, honestly. I, yeah, I, 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 I think... Uh, because it's, I hope because they like it and they think it's cool looking. I think they probably think it's weird that I'm doing it. I think that's a big part of it. There's probably a story. They're like, why is he doing this? I'm not the first actor to have like a side project. Like, you know, like Jared Leto's fucking touring in a, some band half the year. You know what I mean? So like, I like, uh, you know, a, a other people have, you know, George Bush makes those terrible paintings, you know? So like, I think like, you know, other, other pe- prominent people have done this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm getting better. I spent a lot of time doing it. I love doing it. Um, I make my own glazes. I spend a, I have a whole studio in my garage. Um, yeah. How did you land on this aesthetic? Um, I wanted to make something that was like incredibly psychedelic, um, outwardly psychedelic. Um, I'm a big fan of this guy named Ken Price, who's a ceramicist, and um, I was reading about how he makes uh, his work, and I and he's dead, so he's not doing it anymore. And so I started. I did a similar technique to what he does, which is like sanding away layers of uh, underglaze. This is so boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but that's how I make my vases. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing funny about it. <laughs> David? Can I have a little green one? Yeah, you can, Dave. I'll give you one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's it. Um, but anyway, I, did, I had another question, which is, when you're creating, does it feel like the same part of yourself that Obviously, it's so different than writing movies and directing. But does it feel like it comes from the same creative well, or is it something that was untapped? It's something I've always, honestly, like when I was a kid, 
if you like asked me what I wanted to do when I was like, you know, 10 or 11, I'd say like, I want to be an artist. Mm. And the problem is I can't draw or paint. And I literally just can't, I just have bad, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Um, my wife's a very good drawer. Evan, my writing partner, he's a, he's a great drawer, you know? And so I just, I like maxed out at a point and I've always had hobbies. I did photography for a long time. I had a big gardening phase, things like that. Um, and then ceramics was a thing that like, it was one of the first like tactical art forms that I could actually like make the thing I yeah. wanted to make. Like in my head, I would have a thing I wanted to draw and my hand just wouldn't fucking do it. You mm. know what I mean? But I can now make a vase that's any shape I want. I can color it any way I want. I can texture it any way I want. I can think I can I I can have uh, I can have a thing in my head and I can make it, which um, is very gratifying, you know. And the first time I've been able to make something uh, physically tangible, yeah, uh, which is nice. Yeah, you, it's interesting to say the tangible thing because you know when I preparing to interview you, everyone likes to ask you. It's like. How does well, com your comedy doesn't age? Comedy doesn't age, and then it's like blah blah blah. You can't say the same things that you said. And but do you feel like there's something in the pursuit of this that is a response to making an inherently ephemeral art form? The the a desire to make things that are tactile that last that you could hold. Um, not so much the last part because yeah. ultimately nothing. No, <laughs> ultimately nothing lasts. Sorry, hate to break it to you guys. Um, uh, this will all be gone, and so uh, that's not. It's more something, something, um, an object. Honestly, yeah. like I think that was more um, something that I was drawn to trying to make was like a physical, um, creative piece of art. Yeah. You know, um, and I'd made. And and so, and it takes so much less. Movies just also like it's nice to make something that doesn't take a huge amount of time. Like movies take fucking years, <laughs> years and years and years. This show we've been working on for three or four years or something like that, you know. Um, and so you also it's nice to be able to have output that is not such a huge time yeah, investment yeah. and that isn't uh, critiqued as harshly as as our other work as well. Um, yeah. Has it made you think differently or more or more deeply about beauty as and? just the, making things that are beautiful and what that means and how you would apply that to what your goals are with your other work? Yeah, I mean, I think it shows that, uh, you know, I think in comedy especially, people do not emphasize, like, especially the school of comedy I came up in, <laughs> like, you know, visual beauty was not something that was spoken about a ton on our, on our sets, you know? Um, and I do think... There are some technical reasons for it, literally, yeah. um, because of how we shoot. It is just literally harder to frame specifically once you have two cameras. It's harder to make things look a specific way than it is with one camera, you know. Um, but it's also something I never thought. I was like, can I do that? Am I, can I be one of those people who make something that is visually beautiful yeah, yeah. um and in our films it was never a conversation we wanted them to look real we wanted them to be grounded we wanted them to have certain palettes in certain places to reflect certain emotions but like beautiful was never a word that really came up while we were you know talking about how we wanted our stuff to look um and and now it's a word that comes up more <laughs> you know so uh yeah. in what way it just is something that I think I become much more aware of. Palette, how colors go together. Now that I've worked with colors so much, I see, I've lay, you know, I can just see, like, I like how these colors look together. I, I, it's not something I ever put thought into before. You know what I mean? I never put thought into, oh, like orange and green and purple are a color combination I really like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But now, 
especially as we make more animated things and you can control the world more. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, th- this show is very yeah. beautiful, Santa's Inc. And the lights are all real and interactive because of the stop motion. It's uh, the way it hits is in the lens. It's a very colorful, uh, pretty show. So, yeah, it's it's nice to do that. You know, I was looking at it and it, I I couldn't believe the last. I'm so sorry, Sarah's not here. <laughs> I can. <laughs> no, this is the yeah. the, the more uh, serious part of the conversation. Uh, the last I realized the last movie you guys directed came out seven years ago. You filmed it eight years ago. I I was I I was shocked. I was like, oh, there must must have been more. Does it feel? Has it felt that long? Yeah, um, it's been a while. We've directed a lot of television in that time, um, but yeah, the last movie we made was The Interview. Uh, it almost caused a nuclear war, <laughs> and so we haven't made another movie since then. Um, <laughs> yeah, we for sure, uh, yeah, that w- it was scary, and yeah. it definitely made us probably, I think, a little uh, take a step back from directing films for a few years, <laughs> but uh, we hopefully... Um, yeah, we will direct a film soon. There's one we've been writing that I think we will direct. Is that soon. Es- Escape? It is Escape. That is, yeah. There's a title. Yes. <laughs> where, where I obviously can't give too much information. These things, and I assume you don't want to jinx it. Uh, but where are we? What can you say? What would you like people to know so they can get excited? Oh, uh, nothing yet. Just uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, they, you'll forget all this shit by the time it'll be two years before you see anything for this movie. So yeah, it's a. Uh, by then, 40 Marvel films will have come out and <laughs> replace that information in your head. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny you bring up the Marvel thing because I, you know, the other, beyond Pottery and the other, people wanted to know about The Boys, the show that you. Yeah. And, you know, the show obviously is a satire of the, the comic book movie industrial complex. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that seems like you, you've talked about you and Evan make movies that you want to see. And is there part of it that is the movies you want to see? There is not a room for the movies you want to see because of this. Like, um, well, no, I mean, we we do. I'm okay. I love all those movies. Honestly, I was literally watching Shang Chi right before <laughs> I came here, and I was like, "This shit's fucking dope." Like, I um, no, I think more. What's great about Marvel doing so well, but not making incredibly R-rated content, is it allows us to make shows like The Boys yeah. that build off of the public's understanding of superheroes. And a la- and 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 does something that that they're just completely unwilling to do, yeah. you know, um, and and it's great. And honestly, like it, it's something we grew up being comic book fans. One of the first things, and and it is surreal. I'm sure there's people here who grew up reading comic books and who were made fun of for it, and it was literally like you were a loser for reading comic books. Like, and and it is it's unbelievable that these are the most popular. Yeah films and that everyone knows who the fucking Eternals are and who Steve Ditko is and and all this stuff and Jack Kirby and the people that their work is coming to life and all this stuff like it's it's truly incredible and it allows us to do things that are not those things but are contributive to that landscape with our own sensibilities so um yeah it's great like the more of that stuff is out there the more we can subvert it with um, our work and the more people understand what it is that we're subverting, you know, um, honestly, when we, not, I'm not like, I actually haven't seen Green Hornet since it came <laughs> out, but like, I do think we were subverting tropes that were not yet understood <laughs> yeah, yeah. as tropes. And so people were just like, 
this sucks. But and it might. It honestly might. I haven't watched it in a long time. But uh, maybe maybe parts of it are slightly less terrible because now people understand what we were making fun of or not, or it yep. just sucks. <laughs> Um, earlier this year, you, you came out with a book, your book. I did. Uh, That's about how well it did. <laughs> how did. How did it feel for you to have a, a, have a medium of direct communication for the first time since you were doing stand-up when you're young? Like, what was that feeling where you're talking directly to an audience opposed through... Yeah. Um, it was great. I, I mean, truthfully, I just wanted... Uh, I wanted to make something very funny first and foremost. Um, and I knew that just personal stories were what people found very funny. Um, yeah. And I just saw with Superbad and how much people like it resonated with people and it still resonates with people. I was just like, oh, I have, you know, if people liked like the 20 stories that we kind of hobbled together to create that movie, I have many more stories like that. And I, I, I just wanted to make the book to be funny though. Yeah. Like, honestly, I had no, I have nothing else to say, you know, <laughs> like I've, I've, I've said a lot over the years. I have no real like agenda anymore as far that is like that. I, that I feel like I need to put now you can just like yell at you can like motherfuck Ted Cruz on Twitter. Like you don't need <laughs> to like put that in your work. You know what I mean? And so like, I don't like, I, so it, 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 I, it's nice to be able to make something where it's only agenda is to be very funny. Yeah. And, I know the best way to do that is by being very personal. And so that is how I arrived at writing that book and writing it the way I wrote it is I wanted to just be something that made you laugh hysterically as you read it. And I knew if it was stories that people knew were true and were anchored in a version of me that you could picture and kind of project seeing as you were reading it, that it would be funny. And yeah. um, and I think it did turn out very funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was I was happy with it. On the other side, you've been working with Evan Goldberg for how many years? 20 years now? 20? Way more than that. Um, <laughs> since we were 13 and now we're 40. So 27 years. Um, how do you work together literally? Like, do you do share screens? Do you... Uh, do you trade a laptop back and forth final draft actually just made this thing called collabo write which is amazing if you're a writer with a partner and you could both it seems so fucking obvious for the first time you can both write on the same document like a google doc but with a screenplay i've had final draft for 27 fucking years this is the first time you can do it but whatever better late than ever and and that's how we write we we sit together side by side physically in a room. Um, he was in Vancouver for a year uh, during COVID, but now he's back and we sit together and we both have the script on our computer and we both um, write at the same yeah. time. And uh, yeah. Um, have you guys ever gone to couples therapy? No, we, uh, we don't need it. We have a very good relationship and a very good partnership. And um, honestly, like we like developed as a, partnership like i think throughout our childhood we had to learn how to deal with being in a team and being having a partner and i think we're both in like very good marriages as a result of it and we have a very and we, we don't take it for granted we know a lot of teams that have broken up over the years and we we i don't think we will because yeah. we on like our brains formed around one another in many ways yeah nice. um uh he's also jewish 
you know, on, on Santa Inc., Santa spends a lot of time thinking about who his successor is and what that would mean. Um, you're about the age Judd was when he brought you in as a producer on 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Um, how has your definition of professional success evolved to be less centered around your, your own stardom? Your own self. You say that as though it hasn't. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, as a producer, a large part of what we do is is bring other people's work to life mm -hmm. with our uh, company, you know, um, or at least try to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely look back on how I was very overtly mentored, you know. It was not like, hang out and you'll pick stuff up. It was like... Gary Shandling sitting me down and being like, here's how, like, you write a comedy scene. Like, <laughs> here's why Larry Sanders' show was funny. Like, here's how we tracked the emotions of the episodes. And, and Judd explaining to me, like, here's how Jim Brooks would explain to us, like, on The Critic, how a scene should be written. Like, and, and I got to know Jim Brooks. And, like, and I'm very lucky in that, like, I, you know, I'm almost 40 now, but I got to really interact with a lot of these you know, McKay, guys like that. were, And they were all very nice to me, and I was very young. Um, but I was very, like, overtly taught. And um, and I try to... I try to do that. I try to, you know, explain things. I don't want to fucking just run my mouth off, yeah. but if people seem genuinely curious, I try to take the time to explain what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. I try to be someone who people feel they can ask questions to and um, about the process on the on the things we're making, you know, um, and and I try to, you know, again, I've been very lucky in that, like a lot of people that I really are amazing have like shared wisdom with me over the years. And I try to, um, you know, do things like this and impart it to me. I mean, no, <laughs> this is self-serving. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I I very much try and I try to find I try to I find people that I genuinely think are funny and yeah. and hire them and bring their work uh, to life, you know? Who, who excites you right now, either someone you're working with or just someone you see that's coming up? Um, I think Tim Robinson is wildly funny. And I think, uh, I don't know if you, if you haven't watched, I think you should leave. Um, it's like, it's so funny. It's like, it's wildly hilarious um, in a way that is just like refreshing and exciting and, um, and really just um, amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, and what else? Big Mouth is very funny. David Crumble, it's been funny for 30 fucking years, this guy. <laughs> um, uh, since Life with Mikey, you've been funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, what else, you know? Um, yeah, Big Mouth, I think, is very funny. Um, I've been watching uh, that Chicago Party Ant with like Baron Holtz and his brother produced that show. That was making me laugh really hard. Um, who else is funny out there? Uh, I thought SNL has new funny. Sarah Sherman is really, really funny, I think. I'm glad I follow uh, Ashley, I, I, Ashley Ray, who's here. I, through her, I started to follow who Sarah was, and then I, she got cast on SNL. And I'm, So, yeah, there's lots of funny shit out there. When you see that, do you, like, I got to reach out to them. I got to work with them. Not in the, I don't know why I made it seem like it's creepy, but I meant, like. Yeah, I do. I, I do like, this you a lot. Give Hello me there. Success. What are you doing? I like your comedy. <laughs> Uh, whatever. Can I have a, some. Yeah, chill, normal way. <laughs> May I have a piece? Um, I uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, there are. If, if yes, if it seems like it won't be creepy, I do reach out to people <laughs> on uh, social media and stuff, and I I express that I think they're hilarious. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, I was listening to your your new podcast, which I I, I like quite a bit, Thank and. You. 
Um, I want to ask you about something you said on one of the episodes, which was uh, on the, I th- believe on the set of 40-Year-Old Virgin, Paul Rudd helped teach you how to be a famous person. Yeah. Um, and again, you're about the age Paul was then. What have you learned about being famous that you would have been, what that would have been useful to hear then? Um, that I think uh, that, that in, in and of itself is a skill set that mm. can be developed. Um, and that not everyone who's a very great actor is good at being a famous person. Um, like Dave, for example, he's terrible at it. Um, and not everyone who's great at being a famous person is talented in any way. And we have a lot of those people in our uh, culture as well. They are two very different skill sets. And some people have both of them. One of the most like defining stories when I learned a lot about myself, especially how I deal with uh, you know, uh, fans and things like that as a famous person. I was once on the, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, I was once on the Sony lot and, um, and there's uh, tours go walking tours, go around the Sony lot. And, and I was walking across and our offices was it were there and Will Smith was there and he, and I maybe met him once or twice, but we start talking to each other and, um, and uh, so we're, we're standing there just in the middle of the lot having conversation and a tour group comes around the corner and clearly just sees me and Will Smith like standing there right in front of them. And, mm-hmm. and me and Will Smith look at each other and he's like, you know what we got to do? And I'm like, sure do. And I turned around and ran away <laughs> as he went up to the tour group and took pictures with everybody in the tour group. And I remember literally like, ah, 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 fuck, fuck. And I remember looking back and being like, what is he doing? And then I was like, oh, like that's why he's the most famous man on the planet and uh i'm like uh you know a jew does stoner comedies <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the difference um but yeah that was a long time ago but yeah again i've been around some people are just terrible they're, they're very uncomfortable people i've a lot some of my friends close friends are terrible with their fame <laughs> and, and and do things constantly i'm just like what are you doing and and uh yeah but I, i've been around people adam sandler is one of the all-time like great at being famous mm-hmm. people and uh yeah i got to work with him uh you know around over 10 years ago and so i got to see like oh this is how like some people deal with it really well and are very gracious about it and other people will take a fan and turn them into someone who wants to murder you. Um, and, uh, and I've been in like left in the wake of those people. Yeah. Where I, 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 and fans will tell you to your face, like, Oh, I've met your friend and they're an asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, I know they suck at this. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, name names. <laughs> no. So you'd think, um, <laughs> I, I think we have time for one other question from David. If, if, <laughs> How are your parents doing? They're good, actually. Thank you, David. They say hi. <laughs> they just got boosted. They're feeling good. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Thank you. Santa Inc. premieres on HBO Max December 2nd. Have a good uh, evening. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Good One. Stream Santa Inc. on HBO Max. Follow Seth Rogen on social media at Seth Rogen. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Gotham Shikachin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. Back next Thursday. Have a good one.
Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Socks brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.